WGR Sports Radio 550 presents. On behalf of the Buffalo Sabres and all of our great fans, we are proud to select from the University of Michigan, Owen Power. The Buffalo Sabres are pleased to select from Lexan in the Swedish Hockey League, Isaac Rosen. I'm under the impression that Florida and Buffalo have continued working on that Sam Reinhardt deal. I don't know all the pieces yet. They're going hard at it. It sounds like it's going to come down. I think there's still a trade call that has to take place. But Sam Reinhardt, Buffalo and Florida, they're working to try to close this. Sports Talk Saturday. All right, back here on Sports Talk Saturday, WGR Sports Radio 550. Brayton Wilson here with you. Nate Geary stepping out for just a moment, but I do promise he will be back. He will return, uh, and uh, we'll continue on with some more hockey talk, some more football talk with you. And uh, you can join us at any point this afternoon as now we're into the afternoon portion of the show. You can join us with your phone calls at 716-803-0550, or the toll-free number is still available for you at 1-888-552-550. If you have any questions, comments, or thoughts on the Sabres, on the Bills, whatever you got on your sports mind this afternoon, you're more than welcome to ring us up and, and let us know what you're thinking, how you're feeling whether it's with hockey or football. So right now, currently in round two of the NHL draft, yes, we're still in round two, uh, the Flyers are on the clock with the 46th overall pick. The Sabres will be picking 53rd overall, I I do believe. I'll double-check that real quick. Um, But it's going really slow. This draft process is going incredibly slow. Yes, I get it. It's a virtual draft, and you got to make sure you're, you know, in contact with the team and whatnot and have you, but this this draft process last year was incredibly slow, and the NHL looks like they didn't learn anything from it. So <laughs> they continue to, to proceed very slowly, and we're just trying to push along through. We're here with you. We're going to be here with you until 3 o'clock this afternoon here on WGR for this edition of Sports Talk Saturday. And um, and in case you miss any of the picks that are coming in, you can find those on our website, WGR550.com. The Sabres with the 33rd overall pick. Making their selection, they selected Prokar Polpatov, or uh, Poldapov. I got to get used to this because it's it's Russian. So um, Prokar Poldapov with the pick in the first selection of the second round of the 2021 NHL Draft, 33rd overall. And right now, uh, I think Franklin's weighed me down because there's some trade news. It's not involving the Sabres. It's involving the Flyers and Blue Jackets. It is a trade that involves Cam Atkinson and Jacob Voracek. It is a one-for-one trade. So Cam Atkinson goes to the Flyers, Jacob Voracek to the Columbus Blue Jackets. And Voracek, he knows the Blue Jackets organization quite well. Columbus drafted him with the seventh overall pick in the 2007 NHL draft. That's so long ago already, 14 years. It's insane. Brayton, do we think there's salary retained in the deal? Nothing official yet, but that's what people are trying to figure out at this point. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if maybe Philadelphia agrees to retain a portion of Voracek's contract to maybe even out the the cap hit, but then again, I can't remember what Cam Atkinson's cap hit is. And by the way, the the Sabers they will pick. I'm just pulling this up here real quick. They will pick 53rd. So we are zeroing in. We're closing in on that draft pick. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers just off the board. Samu Tuomala 
just getting selected by the Flyers. So now the Dallas Stars are on the clock for both picks 47 and 48. Buffalo again picking with pick 43. So, Nate, while you're away... 53. 53. Thank you. Uh, So while you're away... The Columbus Blue Jackets and Philadelphia Flyers have pretty much come Confirmed to terms. that, tree, tr- that trade. It is a one-for-one trade. Okay. Atkinson for Voracek. And I just wanted to pull up Cam Atkinson's contract cap hit real quick. He's at 5875, so if they figure out a way That's to kind That's not bad eat, for him. Right, and Voracek's at 825, so maybe part Ooh. of the part of the stipulation of the trade, if, if that happens to be the case, if there's going to be any... If there's going to be any salary retention or anything like that, it would probably be Philadelphia retains a little bit of Voracek's salary to maybe even things out. I'm not sure how that's going to exactly work out. I wouldn't think so, but... Uh, and the Dallas Stars just picking perhaps another one of the top centers remaining on the Stank. board. Logan Stankoven is off the board. A guy that really uh, blossomed in the Western Hockey League this year in the shortened season with the Kamloops Blazers. A guy that, if he was there at 53, I'd probably be clamoring for the Sabres to take. But, I mean, there's still some interesting names that are available for Buffalo to take with the 53rd pick. They are, uh, let's see, one, two, three, four, five picks away. By the way, Jacob Voracek is younger than I thought he was. He's actually younger than Cam Atkinson. He's 31. Yeah. And, I, and Cam Atkinson is 32. 32 will be 33 this year. Man, I I didn't realize that did either. did not expect that. I don't, I don't know why I maybe thought that, but I, I think at the end of the day, it's an interesting one-for-one trade. Clearly... Clearly, Philadelphia, with some of the moves that they that they had made, probably needed to create a little bit of room uh, under the salary cap. This move does that, but to your point, I would assume there has to be some level of salary retention um, from Philadelphia to maybe potentially even out that salary going one way and then the other. Um, but an interesting player-for-player player trade. You don't see a lot of them in the NHL. You don't really see a lot of them, period, in any sport. Um, it's not exactly the, the easiest thing for teams to pull off. But I, I look at that trade, and I, and I do think that generally speaking, I, I don't hate to trade for either side. I think it's a good one-for-one swap. Now, I, I think Philadelphia is ahead of Columbus and where they are in terms of who's going to finish with a higher with a better record this year, um, but I don't know. I, I When I look at the trade, I, I, don't, I definitely don't hate it. Um, and, and FYI, in case anyone is just tuning in um, this afternoon. We are bringing you continuing coverage of the 2021 NHL Draft. I've also got some NFL training camp uh, coverage coming your way over the next hour, hour and a half as well. Benjamin Albright, uh, he covers the Denver Broncos, is going to join us at 1230. Um, There's also going to be a little, I'm sure, some Aaron Rodgers talk within that as well. And then later on um, in the program, I've also got David Pagnota of the fourth period. And uh, of course, Joe Yerden is going to join us at 2.30 as well. So the two o'clock hour filled with uh, some more hockey coverage. And our hope is at some point over the next hour, potentially less, that we will have the final details of a Sam Reinhardt trade, which is, again, a little puzzling as to why we don't have those details yet. I'm puzzled anyways. Yeah, at this point, I would have thought that everybody in the, the at, trade party would Atkinson have been contacted. and Voracek, that trade happened within an hour, and we basically have the details of mm-hmm. that trade. Um, this trade reportedly went down last night, and the fact that we don't have that um, I, I, is confusing. And it's very possible mm-hmm. there's a kink happening. Maybe, maybe there's a discrepancy on a player potentially being returned. So, Or, or there could be a condition. I, I think that would also be the interesting part and almost what I wanted to ask Paul when we were talking about um, the potential return for Sam Reinhardt. Um, 
whether it's being stifled because he's RFA um, and doesn't have a long-term contract signed up. And and for what we know, there has not been a sign-in trade included in there. So, Brayton, do, do you think that there, there's a potential there's a potential like situation where the Sabres are maybe potentially trying to get more out of the trade if they do lock Sam Reinhardt up in a long-term contract? Some sort of condition set with that. I mean, I would I would think that there might be some sort of condition. It it all really kind of depends on what it exactly. I mean, the only condition that I can think is that you know a draft pick of maybe, some sort. Maybe if if the Panthers advance past the first round of the playoffs this next season, then the whatever pick becomes a higher pick. I I'm not entirely sure. I would think the Sam Reinhardt trade would still net you a first rounder next year. I think that's that's the goal for the Sabres now going forward, including a Jack Eichel trade, is you, you get more stock for next year's draft because next year's draft is already touted to be much better than this year's draft. So if you can get a lot of assets already for next year's draft and maybe even the 2023 draft, which is also reportedly a good draft, especially at the top, where you have two prospects that are like Crosby Ovechkin-like being touted already two years out, yeah, I mean, the more assets you can get to try and, and get more first-rounders to help and, yeah. build your prospect system that much more, by all means, like, I mean, that, that should be the goal at this point. And you know what? I, I understand that those classes are better, but maybe a team like Minnesota, and I brought this up with Joe yesterday, maybe a team like Minnesota or a team like Anaheim, they weren't so comfortable giving up their picks this year because they, they had a feeling they knew who they wanted to, to target and direct. Maybe then it's just like, okay, if we make this trade, it'll make us better, hopefully with the with the purpose and idea of we'll be better and the pick won't be so low or whatever. Sure. And we'll give them to the Sabres. And there's no there's no draft guarantee. Like that's the thing. You don't It's not like the NBA where you get a guarantee. So if mm-hmm. like in the NBA, you can trade a top five protected pick. Mm-hmm. So if it's a top five pick it gets kicked off to next I mean, year. It, That's it not, still could happen. Sure. It still could happen that way, and that could be another condition that they're trying to talk about. Maybe the 2022 pick next year, the first rounder, as part of the Reinhardt deal, maybe they're trying to figure out the conditions as if, oh, if it's not, if the team didn't make the playoffs, then the first rounder becomes a 2023 first rounder. And if they do make the playoffs, then it is a 22. There's so many possibilities as to why this trade is being held up. Um, but... I'm again. I'm just kind of baffled and surprised that we're waiting as long as we have. Yeah, anything more about details other than Devin Levi is coming back? Yeah, I, I do find that quite interesting. That there just really hasn't been the um, the reports. I th- I think we we you know ultimately thought we would have had it by by this point. But um, and just an FYI, I will have uh, Joe DiBiase is going to join us at one thirty as well. Obviously, our afternoon show producer, um, and he is also um, the host of Locked On Sabers. He'll join us at one thirty uh, to kind of fill in any gaps that we have in the afternoon as well. But yeah, this is um. This is a kind of a rolling afternoon. There's going to be a lot of potential trades continuing to happen throughout today. Um, obviously, the, the the last sort of kink in the chain here, the last sort of move to be made, the domino to fall, is the Jack Eichel discussion and the Jack Eichel trade. And, and we have not heard much um, on the front of the Jack Eichel trade except for last night. Reports are that the Sabres are really kind of holding out, that teams think the Sabres want too much for Jack Eichel. And I say good. 
If that's the only report we have about Jack Eichel, that Kevin Adams is refusing to move off of whatever his value or perceived value of Jack Eichel is, I say good. Well, that's the trade you absolutely have to get the get maximum right. you return. You absolutely have to get right. Because if you, uh, if you try and trade him and you just settle for the best possible offer you can get, there's going to be a lot of people that will still give you, you know, flack for it. And at this point now you focus on, okay, you, you still want to get a top prospect, the top prospect from your, from the other team's organization. You are likely going to say, all right, on top of that, you're going to give us a first round pick next year. That's at least where you start. And then from there, maybe you're even demanding that you get the first round pick in the next year's draft after that in 2023 as part of the deal. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that all if that now becomes part of the negotiation, because now they're pushing this on even further. Yeah, things either will get more complicated or things might get a little bit more easier for some of these teams to accept the fact or swallow that it's just like okay, we're giving up some more future assets, but at the same point, we're getting this player. If he makes us better, then the draft pick will be uh, a lower draft pick in the first round. Which, in, in lower, I mean like 20s, 30s, something like that. And it won't be as much of a problem. I wonder, are, are, do you feel a level of disappointment that the trade wasn't done prior to the first round so that the Sabres could have added a pick this year? Because and, and I wonder what your overall thoughts are, if you're Kevin Adams, how you value a pick this year in the draft that you know which position you would have been in compared to you know trading Jack Eichel and including a 2022 first round pick where you may not or well well intents of purposes you don't know yeah. where that pick is going the to only, be the only the only way i was disappointed about no trade yesterday was just because it's a trade it's something to talk about it's something to get yeah. excited about and just be like all right we got some movement we got some activity we got some assets coming in we got some new players yada yada etc cetera, etc cetera. like the Rissalina trade again Nobody thought he was getting a first-round pick in return. Nobody thought Kevin Adams was going to get Much the return he did. Well. <laughs> a second as well in 2023. And they also got a, a depth defenseman in a guy like Robert Hegg, who's probably only going to be here for the one year that he's left on his contract. But even then, he's a serviceable bottom-pair defenseman, and I'm which totally fine which with Which they're, by the way, they're going to likely need some. Yes, They're exactly. going to need some veteran presence. They're all For what we know, I think most of us would agree that Colin Miller's likely not going to be on the roster come training camp, come September and uh, October. I think, I think he's he's likely going to be on the you roster. You still think? You think don't so. think he's going to end up getting moved? I think he will be on the roster, and I think that he'll be here as part of the group. He'll probably get traded near the deadline. Sure. He'll be wor- valuable of maybe a third-round pick to some team at best. I mean, who knows? Maybe he goes out and he puts up a really good amount of production, and next thing you know, it's just like, oh, hey, uh, Colin Miller gets you a second-round pick. That's great. I don't think so, but yeah. you never know. I think Colin Miller is going to be here, and and I know some people are just like, well, what happens if you know if, if Jack Eichel's still here? I I just still don't see it. I don't see it either. I don't see it. I I think that, uh, of course, it didn't happen yesterday. Which which you know you wanted to maybe get a top pick in this year's in in this year's draft back in return. It's not going to happen now. So now you you focus ahead on next year's draft and maybe even the 2023 draft. Something I think is going to get done at some point this offseason. And as I was as I was saying yesterday to some people before the draft, I said, "Hey, Jack Eichel could get traded right before the draft, during the draft. He after could get traded draft, 5 yep. minutes after the draft, which almost Sam Reinhart did. Or well, he <laughs> after I, the first round. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he could get drafted 
two days after the draft. He could get drafted a week after the draft. He could get drafted a year after the draft. I have no idea. Like, nobody knows at this point what the situation is with Jack Eichel. Um, I mean, he's reportedly back on the ice skating, even though Kevin Adams wouldn't say and comment on anything about him getting back on the ice, or at least him saying he... I mean, I don't know. The more and more this lingers on, the more and more that I'm going to start feeling just this heaviness Mm. to me. Because it's almost just this dark cloud hanging over where it's just, okay, just make the trade. You you officially then move on from your top three pieces that, you know, in their end-of-season conference calls this this year, all pretty much expressed their frustrations to the point where it's like, okay, they're done. What do you they be- are clearly done with the organization. It's time to move on from all three of them. What do you believe, if any, and, may- and maybe you don't believe that this concept is true at all, but do you believe that the longer this goes with Jack Eichel, the less leverage Kevin Adams and the team has? I mean, certainly there's there's the concerns that maybe the less leverage there. I still think that they can get a. Uh, I I still think they can get a good return on Jack. I don't I don't necessarily think that. It is just, it's puzzling to me, and again, this this comes from a place where neither of us actually know what Kevin Adams is asking for for Jack Oak. I think we all have an idea, but nobody knows for sure. There's the reports, but, you know, maybe not everything is being talked about in the bigger picture of it. Kevin Adams might be asking for an additional asset that's not being reported. So, I mean... He was asking for at least a first rounder and a and a prospect for Ristolainen and a, at least a first rounder and a prospect for Sam Reinhardt. Yeah, he gets that in Ristolainen plus a little more with the second round pick being thrown in. We still are awaiting the word on the Reinhardt trade whether you know they still get a, a decent prospect or if it's Devin Levi who's the prospect that's coming back. I don't know, but the Jack Eichel trade is certainly going to be one where you should be asking for the moon and you should expect to get the moon for a guy who, when healthy, is one of the best players in the NHL, period. Yeah, and and I think like if you're Kevin Adams and you look at what you were able to get in return for Rasmus Ristolainen, like, it's got to at least start with a first-round pick next year and a second-round pick next year and then start talking to me about how many good prospects you're also getting on top of that, right? Like, I think, listen, it's Twitter, I recognize that, but some of the trade, like, you know, ideas that particularly come out of New York and, and Rangers fans, they're absolutely senile, um, I, right? I, I mean, like, come on. Uh, but at a certain point here, I do wonder, is there a line where the value starts diminishing? And And I don't know, and we don't know, what level of medical information each team has been provided by the Sabres, by Kevin Adams? There has been some some back and forth that even the teams that have been in it, or at least been rumored to have been in it for the long haul here, for the better part of two months, still don't really have the access that they want to his medical records. And I think that might really be the thing here that we talk about as being the thing that holds this up, is are the Sabres being transparent with these teams? Are they giving them the level of access that these teams are asking for from the Sabres to feel good about what they're potentially giving up in a Jack Eichel trade? And I think it's totally fair if you're a if you're the Rangers, if you're Chris Drury, if you are, you know, Minnesota that you should absolutely hold out any potential trade until you know exactly what you're getting from a medical perspective mm-hmm. from Jack Eichel and his agent. So I think 
until we hear, I, I don't know that we have or haven't heard much from Jack Eichel's agent, but if I was Jack Eichel's agent and I wanted this trade done, which I think all signs point to Jack Eichel and his representation, want this trade just as much mm-hmm. as Kevin Adams and the Sabres organization do. And frankly, I think if you're talking about priority, this is more of a priority for Jack Eichel. The Sabres absolutely have every right and will potentially want to Hold on to him if they can't get the value. Let him get his surgery. Let him do what he's going to do. Get him back on the ice and potentially make a trade at that point. Like, the Sabres have that option. Jack Eichel does not want that. Jack Eichel does not want to start this training camp. Listen, the Sabres don't want it either. The Sabres don't want the distraction. But they have that card to play. Mm-hmm. Whereas Jack Eichel and his representation is injured. They want him They want him out of Buffalo today. So with that level of urgency and it not really be, being matched between the team and the player... I do think this is going to be interesting and how this ultimately plays out over the next day, hours here. We could potentially be on the cusp of a Jack Eichel trade and not know it right now. So we'll keep you updated throughout the afternoon. We have extended 2021 uh, draft coverage here, and the Sabres are on the clock here. um, And they have selected Alexander Kizikov, left winger. Another winger, so another forward for the Sabres. And another Russian. Who uh, are stocking the forward cupboards. Smartly. Another Russian forward. Two of them in the second round. In 61 games last season, he had 36 goals, 37 assists. So more than a point-per-game player in the MHL. So something to keep an eye on. Another winger, though. Uh, Another skilled winger. Um, I didn't see his measurables, but he does not look like a small Uh, guy. 5'10". 5'10", okay. 5'10", and uh, I think it was 160 pounds or something like that. Let me pull up his elite prospect page real quick. But hey, I mean... I. I think there's a a pretty consensus agreement within the organization that they need to restock the forward cupboards, and those that is happening here um, in the second round of the NHL draft. Alexander, uh, oh, it might Alexander might be a uh, Finnish name. I can't spell this morning, so please bear with me here. Well, we're gonna, let's take a timeout. On the other side, we'll get you quickly updated um, on the newest Buffalo Sabre, Alexander uh, Kizikov. I've got Benjamin Albright coming on. We're going to talk a little Broncos. That's coming up next. We've got NHL talk, Broncos talk. All that's coming up next year on WGR. This was a guy that got a lot, a lot of games in though, last year. A lot of viewings. This is different. Had to give people a little bit more of a comfort level in selecting him as that's the number one thing we've heard. Got decent size, 6 feet, 176. Uh, for me, he reminds me a little bit of a guy like Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He can score goals. He can set up players. Uh, there's a lot to like about his game. He led all them HL skaters 27 goals this year. Are you kidding me? All right, welcome back to Sports Talk Saturday. Nick Geary, Brayton Wilson hanging out with you covering today's 2021 NHL draft. I've got Benjamin Albright coming up here in just a moment. We're going to talk a little uh, Broncos training camp. Uh, obviously, the the eyes of the world, um, if you're a... Um if you're a Grateful Dead fan. Anyways, uh, Eyes of the World, they're sort of on the Denver Broncos right now. The reason being is they've been the team most rumored for this Aaron Rodgers potential trade. Uh, Vegas has started to uh, react to the potential and the rumors that we're now hearing about Aaron Rodgers and the potential of of Rodgers potentially announcing his retirement as early as Monday. Um, So a lot of things, a lot of things to to potentially play out in the next couple of days as training camps open um, in particular. Um, with the whole Aaron Rodgers situation and how that ultimately 
plays out. All right, we're going to go to the Wester hotline now because my man Benjamin Albright's going to join us here to talk some Broncos, and um, he is the host and reporter analysis over at the Broncos flagship KOA Colorado. Ben, thanks so much for joining me, my friend, and um, it's getting very close to football, like real, real football here, and I don't know why. Um, but I think the eyes of the NFL world are still kind of directly on the Broncos with how this Aaron Rodgers situation plays out. So first and foremost, hello. And what's it feel like to sort of be in the center of, I don't know, a controversy that you, that the Broncos really aren't exactly a direct partly above? Well, uh, it's uh, certainly been a fascinating summer, I guess, that beat the list season. I don't know who's on your Mount Rushmore of Mount Rushmores, but, um, you know, it, it certainly makes for talking points having, uh, you know, having all this stuff out there at Sports Talk Radio Cookies, you know. Um, in terms of uh, of actual substance, there is actual substance to this, you know, with the, with the Rodgers situation. Uh, he's not happy in Green Bay. He does want out. He does want Denver. Um, and, you know, that's it's sort of uh, it has created this, this palpable buzz here, which is kind of interesting because, you know, the Broncos already brought in Teddy Bridgewater to compete with Drew Locke. And, you know, that situation, uh, you've got the Rodgers situation circling above it. It's just, it's just kind of a mess out here waiting for and finding out whether or not the Packers are ever going to start answering the phone and, and working on a deal. Are you surprised that the Packers have, have taken the stance that they've taken, considering that this isn't like something exactly new? They, they've sort of, I would think anyways, Rodgers, the, the line hadn't exactly been drawn in the sand prior to this offseason, but there had always been this underlying thought that, that Rodgers in that front office simply did not really get along to the level you'd want to have your MVP caliber, you know, first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback have with that front office. Like, is is are, are you are you at all interested or at, at all I don't know surprised by the fact that the the Green Bay has really taken the stance that they've taken? I mean, kind of because yeah, this is a team that went to the NFC Championship and then drafted Rogers replacement in the first round. You know, they they were one piece away from maybe getting to the to the Super Bowl and instead went and drafted his replacement and you know a replacement running back and all this kind of stuff. And it just looks like a front office without a plan. Like they're going one way and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, we're actually in a window. We're going to reverse course on that. And it's just you know, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you're looking at this in this perspective. You know, over the last uh, since 2011, 2011, they've drafted uh, what two offensive players in the first round. One of those was tackled Derek Sherrod to play like five games for him, uh, and the other is ostensibly his replacement, Jordan Love. So, you know, it's, if you're Aaron Rodgers, you just look at the situation like, you guys don't want to win, you know? You, you don't want to win right now. You're prepping for life after me instead of winning right now, and I don't want to be a part of that because I'm trying to cement my legacy, and I've got a few years left. And I, I don't blame either side for their attitude on that, but I do, I do look at the Packers and I say, okay, you can get a big package for Aaron Rodgers right now, and instead you're going you know, you to do the same thing that, uh, you know, that Carson Paul did and yeah. you know retire get next to nothing for him and, and and move forward so is that is that the move here i mean listen I, I, it looks like you know vegas sports books are all tanking the green bay total win number or taking it off the books entirely and the rumor is come monday morning that aaron Rodgers is going to announce that he's retiring from the nfl what does that move because ultimately ben that's a chess move on behalf of aaron Rodgers. does that chess move what is the equal reaction from green bay here is it He's going to retire, and they're just going to let Aaron Rodgers stew, the one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now. Are they just going to let him stew? And ultimately, 
where do you believe the first blink comes from? Because it doesn't look like Aaron Rodgers is going to be the guy that blinks. And then you, if, if that's the case, I would the, the, the pressure sort of moves right into Green Bay in that front office. Like, who do you believe blinks first? And if he does actually announce that he's retiring, what does that mean for this situation as it plays out? Well, it'll be the Packers that'll blink because Rodgers isn't going to blink. Um, you know, he's either going to retire, he's going to show up to camp and play out the string. It's you know, it's it's really his option. There's no blink in terms of you know for him as far as that goes. Now, uh, it, for him, I mean, he I don't think he shows up. I I do think he retires. I'm not sure if it's going to be Monday, but I, I do believe that he's he's going to retire uh, and or you know force the trade. Um, but if, if you're the Packers, like I understand where they're coming from. Tactically, trading Rodgers now, you know, is is at their weakest point because if Aaron Rodgers goes to a new team, you're going to get draft picks back, and Rodgers is going to play for that new team and play them into better draft picks. So I, I understand where they're coming from, but at the same time, uh, it's, it's just become a situation that's that's kind of untenable at this point. Unless you think that Aaron Rodgers is going to show up, playing this game is just not the the right way to handle it. Ben, this is Franklin Heinzman. Let me ask you about another situation that, as of reportedly, I guess you could put that in that same class as untenable. It came out this past weekend that uh, Devontae Adams and the Packers have broken off long-term extension talks, and I could argue he's one of the most dominant receivers in the league. Where does that situation go if Rodgers does, in fact, retire? Are Rodgers and him sort of a package deal? Give us some insight there. Well, Adams wants out too, um, you know, and he was willing to do it for top receiver money. But the Packers, you know how they are; they're kind of cheap, and they're not going to pay top receiver money. So, um, you know, he's he, he knows what's up, um, and so he's he's trying to force their hand too. I, I wouldn't be, I don't think they're a package deal. I wouldn't be surprised to see both of them wind up in the AFC West, but with different teams. Um, so, I you know, I think if you're uh, hmm. I think if you're a Green Bay fan, this this entire situation has the uh, the potential to crater pretty badly, especially because Jordan Love is not ready to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Ben, and I wonder, kind of the the, the last thing here as it pertains to Green Bay, I, I just, I wonder... In one off season, you go from you know being listen. I, I I don't really believe they were one or a few plays away from a Super Bowl. They 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 got worked over pretty good by Tampa Bay. They they didn't look exactly on the same level as the Buccaneers. But having said that, this was a team that was in the NFC Championship game last year. Like, mm-hmm. how do you go from that to potentially having a second year quarterback losing your two best players on your team? Like. Where does that leave the Green Bay front office? Because I feel like you do that. It's sort of, well, first of all, there's no coming back from it. But I also think in the eyes of the franchise, in the eyes of that fan base, that would be a colossal failure for Brian Gutekunst. Like that would be, I frankly, if you're a fan, a fireable offense. Well, yeah, and, and to be honest with you, it's, it's kind of trending that way. I mean, the the firing of Mike McCarthy and the hiring of Lafleur was Aaron Rodgers' idea. He said he wanted to switch to something that was you know was running the Shanahan wide zone offense, and that that paid off. They went back to back NFC Championship games, and now you're going to run off the guy who was the actual architect of what's been successful uh, for your franchise. You know, and, and, and how does that work? Here's the problem: the problem is the Packers don't have an owner. You know, and, and so that that's the problem. They don't have ownership. They've got a you know they got a guy there that, that runs everything in Murphy, but they don't really have ownership, and that's the thing. There's no the buck stops here, you know what, well, this is what we're doing kind of guy, and so it, it creates a problem. We've seen some of that here in Denver without ownership of Pat Bolin when the, this this team has been in a trust. There's just at the end of the day, there's nobody to make that final decision and say, look, buck stops here, this is what we're doing, we're going with it, shut up and make it happen, you know? And so that that's kind of the problem there. And and so, you know, in the end, where does where's the accountability for good accounts? You know, is that is that to Murphy? Does Murphy make that move? You know, who, who where, where and how does that mechanism get triggered to 
that, you know what, we're, we're reversing course, we're, we're making Aaron happy, that kind of thing. It just doesn't exist, and that's a problem. Green Bay's already a tough selling point for people. It's, it's a small town. There's not a lot of marketing opportunities. Uh, it's cold, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's already a tough sell of the place. You run off your two best players, and now free agents aren't coming there at all. Benjamin Albright here on the Wester Hotline. He's a host and reporter and analyst, an analyst at the Broncos flagship station, uh, KOA Colorado. Ben, um, I, I do want to shift gears on, on how this potential lingering trade affects the beginning of training camp for the Broncos. Let's be real. I mean, every Broncos fan has an eye on training camp and another eye on the situation playing out in Green Bay. How does that affect to the potential? Is there going to be rollover into the locker room, considering there is a quarterback competition and it doesn't include Aaron Rodgers right now? I don't think so. I think the way that everybody in Denver is looking at this is it's a quarterback competition between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater until and or if Aaron Rodgers arrives. And that's just the way to look at it. We're prepping this way, and if we happen to get Rodgers, we'll shift gears at that point. So looking at this quarterback competition, Ben, I'm, I'm definitely interested in how this plays out because you really don't I mean, from top to bottom, if you look at Drew Locke and you look at Teddy Bridgewater, you probably don't have a more different quarterback stylistically than those two. With Drew Locke has that arm, the ability to, to, to push the ball down the field, and the game management style of a Teddy Bridgewater. If you're Pat Shermer, if you're this offensive staff, knowing the defense that this Denver Broncos team has, do you believe they're leaning more towards any quarterback stylistically just based on the team and the competitive, the potential competitive level of this team in a really loaded AFC West, but a loaded AFC in general? Like, is game manager maybe the style of quarterback they're looking for just to maintain, just to keep some level of, hey, we need to win football games. We can't afford to continue growing a quarterback in, in this sort of window that we're in. Well, that's sort of why they brought Teddy in in the first place was to have that option, but I, I don't know if they're leaning one direction or the other. The, the thing about it is, and the thing that bugs me a little bit, is it's like the myth of Teddy Bridgewater as the game manager because you go back and you look, he's never thrown more than 15 touchdowns in a season, and that was last year. Um, and then he had 11 interceptions last year. You know, Drew Locke only played, what was it, 12 games and had 16 touchdowns. Um, and if you add in the fumbles and, and everything else, Teddy Bridgewater had more turnovers than Drew Locke last year. So the idea that he's, he's, he's a safer option is actually a myth. Uh, and, he, and he's limited upside. You had to take the ball out of his hands inside the 20s. He, he, he can't throw in the red zone because he has no velocity whatsoever. So, and it's noticeable. Like, we're watching these guys throw at minicamp. You know, Drew Locke throws a rocket, and Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater throws wiffle balls. And it's just, you know, it's just <laughs> funny to watch. Um, th- that said, you know, the experience of Teddy Bridgewater, the internal clock, the processing, maybe that extends some drives. So I think they really want to get about two weeks of competition, a game or two of preseason action out of both these guys, and then take a look and see, you know, who's going to score the most points for us? At the end of the day, who's going to score the most and, not, and turn it over? over the least, and that's the guy we're going with. What is the expectation, Ben? This is my last question for you. Overall of the wide receiver room, I think it's – you look at it from top to bottom – it's probably from like one to five or six, one of the deeper ones in the entire league. I mean, Tim Patrick's going to end up being what the fourth or fifth wide receiver. Um, and I believe is one of the best and most efficient deep threats in the league. Um, Corlin Sutton, I mean, this is going to end up being a pretty big season for him. What are the expectations for this group? And, and is a lot of the expectations for this group tied to who's playing quarterback? Well, kind of, yeah. There are big expectations, and as you mentioned, it's one of the deeper ones in the league. I mean, you know, they they would trade Tim Patrick if they got the right compensation for him because they really like Tyree Cleveland, who's right behind him and basically the same player. 
Um, so it's you know they, they've got they've got talent at the receiver position. They're coming into camp with like 14 receivers on the yeah. roster. It's it's absurd. Um, but you and you've got different guys. You know you got Sutton. He's coming back off the injury. Going to be a make or break for him. You got Jerry Judy. You figure he, he he'll pick up in year two, if, especially if he can clean up the drops. KJ Hamler, the you know the deep threat. Tim Patrick, we already talked about. Tyree Cleveland, and then you get into the you know the Deontay Spencer, who's a returner receiver. Um, and you, you, it keeps going on. You've got more guys. They drafted uh, they drafted a kid this year too. So it, there, there's tons. Of talent there. There's big expectations for it. The question is, is can the quarterback get him the football without air mailing it to the other team? And that's yeah. that's really is the question at the end of the day. All right, Ben. Appreciate you, brother. As always, um, enjoy the uh, enjoy your last few days of freedom here, and and then uh, training camp getting underway. We'll uh, we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely be chatting at some point this season, man. So thanks again, as always, for your time and analysis. Absolutely. Anytime. Appreciate it. Benjamin Albright there of KOA Colorado joining us on the Western Hotline to talk a little Broncos Aaron Rodgers. Just a, a fascinating um, situation that's going to end up playing out in Green Bay, which I would bet in the next couple of days we're really going to be honing in on just how that looks. 803 Those are your numbers to call. I've got uh, a potential. Well, we're going to switch back in a little while here to hockey. Mike Catalan of Fox Sports Rochester is going to join us here um, in the next 15 or 20 minutes. We'll get a real uh, in-depth look at training training camp, get some more thoughts overall on this drama that has built over the last week or so on Twitter um, about the vaccinations and, and everything going on in Buffalo. So we'll talk to Mike Catalano. That's all coming up next here on WGR. I think, I think we're just playing the Joe Dirt soundtrack today, and I'm good with that, you know? It's a good movie. A good movie. It's a great movie, Brayden. You need to bring back the long hair and the mustache. Get back the Joe Dirt look. I don't think I've ever quite had the Joe Dirt look, the white trash DNA. I don't think I've ever, <laughs> you know, uh, I don't think I've ever, I've ever fully gone full Joe Dirt. But you know, I would if if my girlfriend would allow that. But I, I have the, I have a very weird feeling I would not be accepted in my home if I went full Joe Dirt. Mm. So well, that's not correct. I don't live in the hinterlands, you know. That's not that's not something yeah, you walk that's, outside that's a and see, right? That's you a know? real negative. When you walk out in the city, you don't see a bunch of Joe Dirts. You walk out in your front yard. Other than the chickens, you can see, you know, there, there's several children's <laughs> baling hay. Chickens. Baling hay and such. Hey, don't knock on baling hay. Hey, look it look what it's created. Look at you're jacked, Brayton. From baling. He's not hay. wrong. Just ripping through your shirt the jackness. The gun I show. do hay and I'm I'm not jacked. The the, the gun show. It, is it makes you more lean. Like it makes you Does it? it makes you a little more uh you know. Does it put hair on your chest? Is oh, that yeah. the saying? It puts hair in your chest. Does it build grit? Ooh, it, it builds a lot of grit a lot and compete. A lot of grit and compete. A lot of compete. Speaking you of, know, compete. you know, you got to figure out ways to throw those hay bales, especially when you start stacking them really high. You got to try and get them up there, trying to stack them up, <laughs> make noises like that. You're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome to come out to the hinterlands anytime and help out. Listen, I'll come out to the hinterlands, but it won't be to help. It'll be just probably to golf somewhere. But I'll, like, I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. We, we will not be doing any bailing, any, any, any hay bailing. Okay, just, that just. This is not going to happen. Okay. I, I'm I'm almost thirty, Brayton, and once I'm you get almost to, thirty-two. Once you at right, and you'll and you'll agree. You turn with this. thirty a week after I do. So, ooh, that's tough. You're going to be you're older than me. At least at least I I'm am. not the oldest one. You are not of the of the three of us today. I am the old one. Usually, I'm the old one. I'm the young one. You are the young one, Franklin. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, no, nothing real uh, of substance here to report. 
um, in the last, you know, 20 minutes or so in terms of any updates on the Sabres. Um, we will keep you updated if anything does happen over the next several hours. We are bringing you an extended hour of Sports Talk Saturday coverage, so we'll go till 3 p.m. today in the 2 o'clock hour. We've got you fully covered. David Pagnota and Joe Yerdon will join Brayton and I to uh, to talk out any additional moves that have been made and, and kind of go over the, uh, the day that was yesterday, which is a busy day for Kevin Adam and the Sabres. So quick timeout on the other side. Mike Canelano is going to join us to talk some more about Bill's training camp. It's coming up next on WGR.